Welcome everyone to the author readings of Unmuted Voices, women who have overcome their trauma and indoctrination to speak and live their truth. And I want to um, thank all of my authors. This is the first group that will be having author readings. And we're going to share a little bit about their stories. And uh, they're going to read a section of their chapter for us. And um, I just wanted to um, present them because they have opened themselves up so vulnerably with heartfelt stories. And it's not just about their, their trauma and indoctrination. It's that it ends in the story of being joyfully unmuted. And so I just love that, that my authors have gotten to be with me today, and I appreciate them so much. So I want to introduce everyone to you. We have Lori Raggio. We have Lisa Dunford-Dickman, Bettina Strait, and Angel Johnstone with me today. And um, ladies, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what good you bring into the world? Lori, would you like to go? Sure. Good morning, everybody. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Thank you, Marianne, for the opportunity. Um, I am a transformational leadership and life coach, and I work with women um, to really get out of their comfort zone to work on no longer being a spectator in their life and to really grab hold of being bold and take those steps to create the life that they desire and they deserve. Yes, 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 yes. I always love that you say that they desire and deserve. Those are two of my favorite words that you always say. Lisa, would you like to tell us a little bit about who you are? I sure would, Marianne. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a coach, a writer, and a creative, and I help sensitive, creative souls um, stop struggling and start living fulfilled and flourishing lives right now. Oh, I love that. Love it, love it, love it. It's always about now. Mm -hmm. Bettina, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you and good morning. That's one of my pups in the back. Um, my name is Bettina Strait, as Marianne said, and I work in the diversity and inclusion space. Um, and I'm also a consultant for organizations who are looking to um, really address some difficult challenges within leadership and diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, for whatever reason, I think it's my Enneagram 9 um, personality trait that I can see both sides of situations and help people find a middle. And so that lends itself to, I think, um, people being able to hear one another and be open to hearing one another, which I think is the first step. So I do a lot of coaching and um, training work with organizations. And more recently in the last um, year and a half, I've spent some time sharing my story about uh, being diagnosed with breast cancer and kind of what that has meant for me in unmuting my life. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. All of these ladies have such amazing stories and how they came forward and, and worked through that. And, and what we're presenting is that hope for you to do it also. Um, that's the whole point of this book. Angel, would you like to tell us who you are and what you do? 
Yes, thank you. I am an erotica author. I'm also a confidence coach for women, and I'm studying to be a sexologist. So I help women liberate themselves in the bedroom so they can also go on to liberate themselves everywhere else, including the boardroom. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Bedroom and boardroom. I love it. So let's um, let's just go right in and start talking to you all about, I have some questions, and then we're going to ask each of the authors to read a, a selection out of their chapter and find out why is that meaningful to them. So um, Lori, would you, let's start with Lori. Um, so looking back, did, were you a little surprised or surprised at all of how your story went when we did the podcast initially? Um, what came out for you? Was that a little surprising or was that the way you've always seen your story or how did that work for you? Yeah, I definitely was surprised. Um, I think over the last two and a half, three years, I've been doing more book chapters and, and anthologies. And I hadn't really touched on my anorexia. And so mm -hmm. I really felt like that was a piece that I wanted to bring forward and make more public. Um, and I think the, the huge aha in the learning for me in the podcast and in, in writing the chapter is that I hadn't realized that I had this idea and this concept that I had to suffer in order to feel joy and be successful. And it all really came through, you know, during both of those and a conversation that I had with another coach. And so I really, you know, started to think about my life and, and others and suffering is not a prerequisite, Yes. <laughs> you know, and I think that was something it was like, oh my goodness, like, where did that come from? And, and so, you know, Marianne, you and I have had some conversations about kind of how we were raised in our religions and kind of like where all that initially came from. Mm -hmm. um, and so the surprise was like, you know, at the age of 61, I no longer need to have that belief and it no longer is serving me. And I'm sure that there's other women, especially, you know, who need to hear, need to hear that, you know, we can have joy, we can have success, we can feel good. And there does not need to be that, you know, that suffering and that challenge and, you know, that necessarily the negatives first. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there can be gain without pain. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, mm -hmm. it's not a requirement. Suffering and painful dealings is, is not a requirement for our success. I love how Abraham Hicks talks about success is joy. If we've reached the place of joy, we are successful. And, um, you know, heading straight into joy through appreciation is one way that it doesn't hurt. You know, it doesn't have to hurt to be to be in joy and to live successfully. I love that. Um, so how has this experience, you know, impacted your life or your business? Mm -hmm. Has there been any changes that you've chosen to make because you decided to be in this collaborative project? Well, I think because, um, you know, my topic was anorexia and kind of how that mm -hmm. initially made me muted. And then in some ways, again, it was, even though it was that suffering and that challenge, it, it moved to a way to unmute, you know, my voice. Right. Um, 
was really my family, my siblings. Mm -hmm. So it was something that we just really didn't talk about. And here I was, you know, really experiencing it as kind of this alone, independent kind of experience in some ways. And after they read my chapter, the reactions were fascinating. You know, it was, they're like, yeah, we were there with you. We were there with you. And here I'm the oldest, you know, I thought, hmm, you know, I didn't really realize how it had impacted them. And they were also like, you know, not only were we there with you, but it's so amazing to see where you are now. And we're excited for you. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily a change per se, but there's this closeness, again, you know, me being vulnerable, them in turn, you know, feeling that they could be as well. And so the conversations have changed. Yeah. yeah. I love that. It sounds like a more openness, an openness in yes. your relationship that maybe you didn't have before. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is how powerful these stories are. This has already affected Lori's family relationship with her. Um, and that's that's you know, something that a lot of times we don't even think will happen. Um, we don't know how it will affect people. So I love that. So will you read a, a portion of your sure. chapter for us? Sure. And this was even kind of fun, you know, having to go through and, and pick. Um so I was five foot three, I weighed 133 pounds, and I decided I wasn't going to eat. I became a full-blown anorexic. I remember mealtime being horrible with a verbal battle ensuing between my parents and me. They wanted me at one point to just drink a glass of milk, and I refused. I literally shrunk to protect myself, to feel that I had some control. I went from 133 to 85 pounds. One day, my parents took me to a psychiatrist and he looked at me and he was like, like, what are you doing? Are you trying to kill yourself? Mm. For whatever reason, that particular day, that particular time at age 14, I heard him and it clicked. I had the will to live and had too many gifts that I really wanted to share with people and no, I wasn't ready to die. I realize now my behavior of overdoing and overachieving was born out of love for myself and my parents. I was attempting to protect myself from suffering and pain and from feeling out of control. And when I was protecting my parents from feeling helpless, hopeless, uncomfortable, and worried about me. I was losing myself. My anorexia continued through college in some shape or form. My exterior actually at that point looked perfect. How I presented myself resulted in everybody thinking I had it all together. I hoped that people would not question me or find out about my inadequacies or ask me to be vulnerable. I hid behind my doing and my perfect exterior. Well, inside, I was lonely, suffering, depressed, unworthy, and my own worst, worst critic. It was this external focus of proving I was okay and successful that led to a false sense of being seen, heard, valued, loved, and worthy. And there are three small T truths that I learned and that led to being muted. One, hard, long, challenging work leads to success and is a sign of worthiness. Workaholism is a badge of honor and leads to belonging in the focus is on doing versus being. Two, overdoing and overachieving prove I'm worthy, loved, 
seen, heard, and valued. And three, suffering is a rite of passage to join success. And I go on in the chapter to really talk about those no longer <laughs> our beliefs, you know, but they certainly were indoctrinated from a very, you know, young age. Yes, yes, yes. So what is the what is the takeaway? Why was this portion of your chapter important for you to share with our audience today? Well, I think for me and, and for others, it's that, you know, things happen to us in our childhood. You know, we, we have illnesses, we have um, different things that happen. They can leave a scar. They can also be a blessing. You know, they can provide us with opportunities to really learn and they inform who we are, but they don't dictate who we are. And so it's kind of being able to look at them for what they were, looking at them as a gift and deciding to move beyond them. Yeah. So that we can still take, you know, advantage of all the opportunities and possibilities and the joy that's out there for us. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, indeed. And I love that all of these stories, y'all will just, they definitely stress the, the joy and the freedom that they have come to live now because they're speaking their truth. They're, they're living their truth. And it's not, just as I say in, in all the podcasts, it's not necessarily always about our physical voice of speaking because sometimes some of these stories, folks were able to speak up for other people, but not for themselves. Um, or, but it's how you express life that you were so squelched and so by the, any indoctrination or beliefs, that, limiting beliefs that you were taught um, that were toxic to who you are. So I am so thankful for every one of these, these stories from um, these women that, that have had so much going on and yet they still came around to unmuting their voice and living their truth. So thank you so much, Lori, for that. I appreciate that. Lisa, um, and let's ask you, looking, hey, back, looking back, were you surprised at how your story came out on the podcast when we were, because sometimes, you know, yeah, people are very surprised. Others of them go, nope, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised in the ramifications. Like I knew that unmuting my creative voice, really finding my voice in my art, um, like in my art, unmuting my voice served my writing. I knew one creativity served another creativity. What I didn't realize was the extent to which it served my life. Like it served my ability to make a business like a, my ability to move forward in my business and take risks and be courageous and bold in my business increased exponentially when I was able to express my voice in my art. And so I think I was a little surprised how interconnected it all was. I knew that I could write better when I was also painting. I mean, like the little creativity, but the big creativity in my larger life, I saw a connection I hadn't seen before. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. So 
has your experience changed anything in your life, um, in your business or in your life, in your relationships, wherever that might be? Has there anything changed or shifted or or improved or how did it impact you? So it really has helped me make my art a priority, not to discount it as a hobby or something that is extra or only if I have time. It's mm-hmm. essential to my well-being to express myself fully. And one of the ways I do that is through paint. Um, I have other ways to do it as well, but if I'm creating every day, everything else flows better. If I'm not, it stops and starts and struggles. And so I've learned to make it a priority. And um, I'm not always successful. It's not, I don't succeed every day. I don't remember every day. But it happens more often than not. And I just know things flow better when I do something creative every day. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Um, will you share a portion of your chapter with us? I would, I would be happy to. So let me find it. There we go. <laughs> so muting my creative voice happened gradually. In some ways, I think we all get the message very early on that we at least have to tone it down. Before kindergarten, we're all artists, aren't we? Every one of us. And then we start being instructed. That doesn't look how it's supposed to. You can't color outside of your lines. There's no such thing as a purple tree. Most of us learn that to please the teachers or our parents or our caretakers, we had to do something different than what came naturally. For me, that was especially true in creative expression. I remember an extracurricular art class when I was in grade school sometime. I was sitting at a table, head bent, eyebrows scrunched, penciled gripped so tightly, it was like I was afraid it was gonna get away. I was very industriously drawing a little tiny koala bear. The teacher leaned over my shoulder, Oh no, she said, you have to draw big. And she waved her arm to take in what seemed like the entire room. If you're gonna draw that small, it's not worth drawing at all. And at that moment, something clicked. A part of me decided right then and there that drawing might not be worth doing at all. What if I couldn't draw bigger? What if I didn't want to? And so I didn't. I finished the class and hardly drew anything for the next 10 years. Wow. I so relate to that because there's a story that we talked about, you know, just, just listening to teachers and how they affected us. You know, for you, your your teacher told you your, your art wasn't good enough. For me, my, my teacher my reading teacher told me I was too slow and I was a poor reader. So I took that on for my entire life for so many years. And um, so, so I totally understand, uh, understand how that can impact you. So what, why was this portion important for you to share? Is there a takeaway you want any, the, the audience to receive or, So I'd like readers to know, listeners to know how normal it is, Mm. especially if you're a sensitive soul, it's normal to be affected by life, 
It's normal to be affected by your teachers or your parents or your caretakers. It's normal to want to keep yourself safe. You have not done anything wrong. It doesn't have to be a, a lot of us have large traumas and those are, have their own gifts and their own um, challenges. And the traumas don't have to be that big. It can be little things that add up. And those are, we learn the way to protect ourselves because of those. Mm -hmm. We learn what it takes to stay safe. And that really loving that part of ourselves that's trying to protect ourselves is the way forward without struggle instead of beating ourselves up or blaming ourselves or feeling like we did something wrong for muting our voices. It was a natural part of ourselves protecting us and that part of us deserves our love. Doesn't have to be a big thing. Yes, I so agree. Giving compassion and love to those little parts of us that are hidden, that, that needed to keep us safe. Yes, so, so, so much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Yes. And Bettina, would you like to tell us, um, you know, how were you surprised at your story? How how did your story go for you when you when we had our podcast and it just comes out into the open and <laughs> the world finds out? Did um, that was my very first podcast oh. and. I really enjoyed the experience, but I'm also a big self editor and you can't edit Mm -hmm. on a podcast the way that I wanted to edit my book chapter (laughs) and was able to. But what I think was most surprising for me was being able, I'm a free flowing, don't think a heck of a lot before I put it all out there. And then afterward is when I start to go, oh, geez, Mm -hmm. should I have? Did I say too much? How did that sound? And our conversation genuinely just flowed. And I didn't have those thoughts in the moment, which was so nice because it's really freeing to not wonder. I mean, I think it boils down to was I enough? Was I too much? was how did I sound all of these doubts and that's something that um, I've struggled with and been challenged with for a very long time and it was just nice to have this conversation with you and to feel like I didn't have to do that it was really Mm -hmm. really about being genuine and I knew that and so I really wanted to kind of channel that belief and feeling into our discussion and it was wonderful Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, that's sometimes on my podcast, I'll I'll maybe send the questions or similar questions that I'm going to ask maybe the day before, because I don't want people to sit there and think, oh, what, what am I going to say and, and try to map it all out in their mind. I want it to be that free flowing conversation because that's when things are sparked in us that maybe we would never have said, you know, and that's sourced guiding the conversation. And that's what I love. I love that freedom that, that you felt and you did express in the, in our conversation. So has this experience changed anything in your life, in your business? Um, How has that impacted you this being in this, you know, podcast and the, and the book anthology? I think an unintended consequence or in a good way was the fact that I 
did some things like I increased my fees. And Lori, who's my who has been my coach in the past, knows that's a big stinking deal for me because it all has to do with worth and mm-hmm. feeling justified and so one thing that I did was I made some updates and I talked to some people and I that confidence of you can put it out there and you can ask for what you want or ask for what you deserve and not in a not in a conceited way just to hey I'm bringing some skills and experience to the table here that was a big deal and as business women I think pr- probably all of us have struggled with you know, what do I do here? Is it asking too much? Um, but also just feeling more comfortable. Again, it's a constant evolution of growth, uh, feeling more comfortable just speaking out without fear and knowing that if I'm speaking from my heart, it's unlikely things will go wrong. Right, right, right. I love that. I love that. Will you read us a portion of your chapter? I would love to. And this is where you asked about the mess in the message. Ah. Or the message in the mess, I guess I should say, um, that our mess is our message. And so it's it's referring to um, my breast cancer diagnosis. I'm going to move my screen over so I don't look like I'm looking out the window while I'm speaking with you. With a diagnosis like mine, which wasn't something I would be able to keep completely private, I had to make a decision about when to share what was happening. I'm a pretty open book about my life, sharing vacation photos and new haircut selfies all over social media, but I wasn't sure if breast cancer should also be a public experience. To add to that stress, I had just started my position as chief inclusion officer at So Others Might Eat less than two months earlier which meant no FMLA coverage, very little sick time accumulated, and insurance that literally started three days after I found a lump in my breast. I decided to go about this journey the same way I do everything, out there for the world to see. I told the people close to me first, but then made an announcement to my Facebook community and documented the whole process in a private group for those who wanted more details. I also decided I was going to be open about all of it, from the bone aches to the loss of the hair in my nose. (laughs) I don't hide the hard days and most certainly celebrate the accomplishments and milestones I've had along the way. Again, the feedback I've received about the impact I'm having has blown me away. I'm so grateful that by sharing, I have motivated friends and family to have their mammograms. I've had friends share their new diagnosis with me, unfortunately. And I've been able to provide concrete suggestions and emotional support. I've received so much more than I ever expected, and it's all because I chose to be open and use my voice. Professionally, sharing about my health challenges has allowed me to venture into a whole new realm of speaking to organizations about how they can be inclusive and supportive of their employees who are experiencing health issues. And the love and support I've received from my colleagues at my job at some has allowed me to concentrate on my healing and I feel more connected to the people at my work than ever. And I've said a hundred times, if love could heal me, I'd be fine by now because I've just been so supported. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. So why was this portion? Why, why did you call out this portion? What was important? What's the gem you want to pass along for, for others? I know that before I was diagnosed, I would look at folks who suddenly found out that something, you know, unexpected and in this case could be life-threatening, anything major, 
would happen and I would think, how are they dealing with it? And I never really knew how to reach out or what the right or wrong thing would be to say. And it was really important for me to let people know that by being, and I know it's not comfortable for everyone and it wouldn't be everyone's MO, but for me, I'm a sharer, maybe an oversharer. And the fact that I was able to do that um, and that I received so much feedback back about it's really helped me support other friends because you told me about the blanket that was so wonderful, or I had no idea that there was this weird cycle that you went through. And even though you're done with certain treatments, there's still more, you know, it really, it felt for me, it was so personal and for other people, it was so helpful. And it's an, it can be an awkward situation and I didn't want it to be. And I just think that has been really helpful. And um, I wanted to hopefully share it so that it was helpful for others. Yes. Yes. Because even watching in your group, um, because you added me to your group then uh, after we met and just, I don't know, it feels like relief to me for somebody who's even listening, you know, and I don't have this, I'm just a friend, but I want to support you. And it's, and it's still, um, even when you come on and say, I'm not having a too good a day, I'm on the couch today or, or whatever it happens to be. It's like, I can still send you love because you've been willing to say. Oh goodness. Here we go. I know. And it's so healing. It is it's so healing for me every time. And so maybe it's a little selfish because I open myself up in a way that allows me to receive so much love. And Lori has been a tremendous support and, mm-hmm. and just angel to me. And how could I not want to tell other people you can have that too at the hardest time in your life. There's a way. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of, it's still, there's always a place for joy. There's always a place for appreciation, yes. no matter what we're going through there's pockets of these um, moments of that we can still feel joy and that we can appreciate life and things going on around us and the support that we receive. So I'm, I'm so, so thankful for. That's why beauty and breast cancer, you would never think it, but that's why that was my chapter title, the beauty and breast cancer. Yes, 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 yes. I so appreciate you. Yes, thank you. Let's move on to Angel. There. So were you surprised at your story or was that pretty much mm, this is what you've always lived in? Or or were there nuances that might have been a little different than what you thought you might have talked about? Um, I was not surprised at my story. I mean, it is my lived experience. So and I've I've spoken on it before. I was um, surprised that it felt a little like a memoir (laughs) as opposed to, uh, you know, like um, some other kind of podcast that I've been on before. But yeah, I wasn't terribly surprised, but it had that kind of memoir feeling to it. Cool. I never thought about that. Thank you for that. I love that. Uh, So has this, this experience, has it changed anything for you? Has it shifted anything? Have you seen a good impact in your life or business uh, because you said yes to being in this 
experiencing this podcast and, and book anthology. Yeah, what, what's interesting, being that my story was about um, being outed by my guidance counselor um, when I was in high school and having to live in the closet for many years um, as I figured out my sexuality um, and, and, and came to grips with who I was, um, I, I really felt that was really important that my story be heard, especially since we have a lot of political things going on around whether guidance counselors and teachers should be outing their students. And so um, it got me really thinking about, you know, people need to know that that's a bad idea and why it's a bad idea if they've never lived that experience. And so I actually was able to connect with um, the Stonewall Speakers Bureau here in Connecticut. And, uh, and now I'm going to be on their speaking circuit, talking to people about my experience from this, uh, this whole experience. So I'm really excited to be able to impact the future. And for kids that were, that are now like I was back in the eighties, um, just, you know, needing help and guidance, not an uprooting of their entire life. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Your chapter is so powerful with the, the trauma that you went through and your little friend and it, just, uh, it's such a dynamic. Y'all, when you read this chapter, you're going to have your socks blown off because it's it's very powerful. So will you read us a portion of your chapter? Sure. Um, I, I've already prefaced that this was the story, but what it struck me when I went through it again was this part here. It's funny when people say, how did you get into the business of coaching confidence? And I was like, well, everyone kept telling me I was confident. I realized that confidence is a trauma response. Being ultra confident and putting yourself out in front is a way to basically figure out who your threats are. I can be out there and confident and immediately know who's a threat and who's an ally. And that was something I had just learned how to do over time in order to assess my situation faster and to know where I was safe and where I wasn't. And then Marianne, you asked me what were some of my aha moments as I um, went through this process in my life. And I said, well, the first was when I got to college and I realized that I was right all along. The world is not this backwards. People really can be accepting. That was a big aha moment for me. And I think that the thing that was a catalyst for me to use my voice and get active specifically in uh, LGBTQ issues was the don't ask, don't tell bill. Uh, and we're talking about the 80s and 90s. For those of you who don't know, there was a time when the government said you could join the military. You just couldn't tell them that you were gay and they said they wouldn't ask you. And at that point in time on my college campus, I was the president of our student LGBT organization and I was speaking at freshman orientation on their diversity panel. And the freshmen were coming in from all over the country and people were looking to me for information on how do I treat my fellow students when I'm here at school. And that was a huge thing for me. I was basically putting myself out there as the spokesperson for you know, the entire campus to come and talk to on this, on, on how do you treat someone that's gay that I don't know before. And what really got me upset at the time was that ROTC was on campus as well. And I felt like it was really important for me to speak out about the practices of that military uh, under don't ask, don't tell, because I felt it was damaging and it was going to cost people their lives because if you can't be authentic in a place where there are guns in war, um, how can you really protect yourself? How can you really feel safe? How can you really be protected by your unit? And I did some speaking about that at the time, and I can't say that it made me super popular with everyone on campus, but I sometimes you have to speak the truth about the fact that something's not a fair policy. And as a campus, if we have a policy of inclusion, 
or inclusivity, all of the groups on campus must also adhere to a policy of inclusivity. And ROTC didn't at that time, and so there was a disconnect. And that doesn't mean I wanted them to be off campus or didn't see value in their program. It wasn't really that I was, that's not what I was advocating for. I was saying there's a disconnect. These two things are not like the other, and I just don't see how this is positive. And that was probably the first aha moment when I really felt, I really need to speak up about this issue. Mm. So, wow, wow. So and therein lies a, a lifetime of speaking up for the needs of other people that are marginalized. Yes, yes, yes. Um, what, um, so why was this portion of your chapter important for you to bring forward? What's the takeaway? What's the aha you want someone else to receive? We all see injustice all the time. We see it all around us. And a lot of us um, know our privileges, whether that be an economic privilege, a, a racial privilege, a, a geolocation privilege that you were you know, brought up in a, in a you know, industrialized society as opposed to a third world country. Um, we all have uh, privileges and I just want people to recognize that when they have that privilege, it's also important to use it for good. Uh, not just your own personal good, but for the good of the society and for people that are marginalized. And so I've tried to use my voice in that way um, whenever I see an injustice. Um, and it may not personally impact me. In fact, it may, in one case, I've actually um, gone so far as to advocate for uh, something that would actually impact me negatively, but helps the collective. And so I think it's important for us to look at things from a very much broader viewpoint of other than what's just right for us, but what's right for everybody. And, and that's what I would love people to take away from my story. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Taking on the responsibility side of it too. And it is, we are responsible to share our voice and to unmute ourselves. Um, it's not just that it's good for us, it's good for the world when we do this. Absolutely. It impacts that that ripple effect goes out and the energy goes out into the world and we are improving and bettering the world. So I love that. I love that you all have just um, been such amazing women to, to share this, to share your stories because Sometimes these are kind of hard. I know I've been on podcasts where, you know, Lori maybe was interviewing me because I asked her to help me tell my story and she asked some pretty darn qu tough questions. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm always surprised uh, really and pleased when these things flow very source, they flow very spiritually, um, which again, impacts the world. And I just, I love, love, love that. Um, so I'd like to ask if, if you all would just, um, just kind of answer, you know, why did you say yes to this, this particular collaborative project that when I offered unmuted voices, what was the thing that said, yes, that's, that's why I need to be in this podcast and book. Um, so who wants to go first? Because I would just love to hear what was your yes? What was that thing that resonated with you? I'll go first if, if you're all still thinking. Um, for me, it was an easy yes um, because I work with women all the time 
that tell me that their desires are tampered down or shoved in a box or, you know, lessened because of what they've learned from society about what's allowable for them to have instead of what they really want and desire. And so part of my work is to unpack that and to break those box boundaries with them mm -hmm. as to what is possible. Um, I do that more in the, in the realm of sexuality than in, in other realms, but it bleeds into everything. Sure. Um, if you can't even ask for what you want when you're naked and vulnerable with the most wonderful person in your life, wow, like, aren't we really constricted when we're fully safe and fully respected and we still can't ask for what we want? That's like crazy, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. we have to break all those bonds in order to um, to really be able to speak into the world what we want and then therefore manifest it. You can't have it if you don't know what it is and you can't get it if you don't speak it out to the world. And so I think unmuting our voices is really like, you know, number one priority right. <laughs> for women. Uh, so this was a really easy yes for me. Yes. Yes, because I, you know, in my religious upbringing, it was so, the silence of the women was so pushed. I mean, that was, that was part of the doctrine, the dogma that we had to believe, you know, so it's been a real, um, it's, it's just turning all those beliefs and doctrinations on their head and just kicking them to the curb because they're just, they're just lies. You know, we are here to speak our truth and to live it fully and joyfully. You know, that's what, that's so much of, of what I want to spread in the world, more love and joy. And in this book project, this is what we're doing. And I just love that you all participated. Who else would like to pop up and say, Lisa? Well, it's just so aligned with um, what I want for the world. That mm -hmm. I, I really dream of a world where everyone feels safe enough to be the truest, highest expression of themselves. Absolutely. I'll say, and so mote it be. <laughs> Anybody Definitely. else? Yes, Lori. Yeah, I think for me, you know, the work that I do with all of my clients and really the support that I feel like I receive from friends and family and, and provide is all around this idea of being unmuted. Mm-hmm. Because if we keep everything inside, it just limits us. Oh, yes. And so I think, you know, Marianne, you putting it out there and just the word unmuted mm. is like this, you know, I'm really passionate about it. And so I was like, hell yes, <laughs> I'm in, <laughs> you know. And then as what I think is so fun about book anthologies as you start to see who else is going to be a part of it then it gets even more exciting you know because you know parts of people's stories and it's just mm -hmm. you know I had the the honor last week of going through the book and reading again mm -hmm. you know all of the different stories and it's just I mean there's so many similarities but there's so many differences yes. and yes. you think about you know, how women in general feel muted. I mean, our readers are going to find themselves in oh, yeah. somebody's story, in everybody's story. I mean, it's just, 
the compilation of stories in this book are just amazing. Yes. Yes, even though, like, I haven't experienced so much of what you all have, but in every time I interviewed you and worked on the book, I'm thinking, I relate to that in this way. You know, there was something that I related in my life or feeling or or whatever it happened to be that that um, definitely touched me. And I was just talking to you, you know, so I know when somebody gets a chance to read the book and sit with it and hold it and and go back and wait, what did she say? Because there's going to be some things that are going to be highlighted in these books because uh, uh, they're powerful, what you all went through and how you came out on the other side and enjoyously unmuting your voices is is just um, potent, potent energy of, of healing for the world. So I, I so thank you. Uh, Bettina, would you like to? Yeah, I, initially when um, I was thinking about it, I started asking myself a couple of years ago, what if you do? I know what'll happen, what if I don't? If I say no to something, nothing happens, usually. It's very stagnant. And going through chemo during COVID was very isolating. And that is not how I usually live life. And so I really, I mean, the timing of this was amazing and probably divine. Uh, because I really, I just thought to myself, what if I do? And the message was for others, what we talked about and what I wrote about, but doing it really was for me. Because what I've noticed is when I say yes, unbelievable things have been unfolding in my life. And who doesn't want more of that? Even when they're scary things, even when they're crazy what's going on how did this happen things i'm loving that i'm really loving that and so when the opportunity came about um i just thought what if i do and i hope that the readers and the listeners folks who are watching ask themselves that if you're still in search for a 2023 mantra <laughs> what if you do unmute what if you do speak out what if you do say yes that for me, and now I get, and I get excited about that. I think I'm going to have to start asking people, what if we do? Yes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Everyone's well, thinking about I'm, it. Well, yeah. Now I'm going to have to <laughs> sit with my journal and ask myself, what if I do? What if it's going to be the next book we are all in. <laughs> what if we do? Yay. <laughs> I love it. I'm in. Does anybody want to say anything else? Because we have some time here. I would love to hear anything yeah. you want to. I know you're going to talk a little bit about the um, workshops, but mm -hmm. I think that question that Bettina just posed, I mean, that mm -hmm. is a question maybe for the workshops. Yes. Yes, I agree. You know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have any Words of wisdom I want to share. I just wanted to point out this process was so fun and seamless. And I think oh. that's because Marianne is so fun and she really had passion mm -hmm. for the project. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, this has been such a joy. You know, my days don't always go 
the way I planned and then I get to work on the book or something and I start reading chapters. I'm doing editing or formatting and I catch snippets, you know, as I'm working through the book and it's like, like, Oh, there it is. Ah, okay. I'm back. <laughs> so that was always so much fun. I loved being with you all. So I want to thank you all for join me today. Thank you so, so much. And um, I do want to let you know, the the uh, listeners, the audience, that you can buy Unmuted Voices. The link is in the show notes um, for your convenience. And um, um, the what Lori mentioned was the workshops. We are going to, our authors are going to do two, two hour long workshops as a package and it is called unmuted in 2023 so they're going to be facilitating all of our authors are going to be facilitating these two workshops to help you walk through unmuting your voice for 2023 what do you need what support do you need what questions bettina do you need to ask the people are you willing to what if you said yes what if you said yes to being unmuted in 2023? And so we're, we're offering that. Um, it will be the two workshops will be uh, February the 9th and the 23rd. They are live, but we'll have recordings in case you miss one of them. Um, and uh, they are for $99. You get both. Um, but if you use the coupon code that is in the show notes, um, it's over 20% off at $77. So I hope you take advantage of that and share this coupon code. It's not like something hidden that only a few can get. So if you have the opportunity to share this show with someone or share it on your feed or just send somebody the coupon code and tell them where to go. Um, the link is also for more information. You can read about the the um, workshops and what you'll receive and and who's going to be sharing their stories and what will walk you through. Um, so though there the link to that is also in the show notes. So you can just pop over there and read more about it and then register for the um, for the 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 workshops. Sorry, my brain was just went fuzzy. Um, so thank you, everyone. Any closing words of wisdom anybody wants to share before we close out? Sign up for the workshop. <laughs> Sign up for the workshop. It's going to be great. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because we have all these beautiful ladies that are going to walk you through unmuting your voice in 2023. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting you in Unmuted in 2023. And our next author reading is on Tuesday, January the 24th, noon central. So we'll look forward to seeing you all there. The links are all in the show notes. So be sure that you go and, and share this with someone, you know, share it on your wall so that your, your feed, so that other people can find this and invite them, personally invite them to come with you. Um, and be unmuted in 2023. Thank you all. I love you. Thank we'll talk you, Marianne. Bye, everybody.